fulfill your destiny and take your father's place at my side. Never turn to the dark side. You failed, Your Highness. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. Welcome to the Wampa's Lair Podcast. Deep in the bowels of the frozen ice caverns of Hawk, our hosts, Carl Leclerc, Jason Hunt and Katie Horn discuss all things Star Wars. So join the conversation and hang out here in the Wampa's Lair. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Wampa's Lair podcast. This is episode number 307. What is a hero? I am, as always, one of your hosts, Carl LeClaire, and with me is our wonderful co-pilot. It is the great Katie Horn. Hello, it me. I'm going to answer your question, Carl. What is a hero? It me. It It me. me. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, unfortunately, Jason's not going to be with us for this episode this week. Uh, He got a little slammed at work after being sick for the start of the week. So uh, I am flying with the best co-pilot since Chewbacca Katie <laughs> so sorry Katie you'll always take second to Chewie uh, it's alright no. <laughs> I'd be a little insulted on Chewie's behalf if I was before him actually I'd be like how dare you insult Chewbacca <laughs> <laughs> so um, we're going to be talking this episode about what is what is a hero what does it mean to be a hero specifically in the Star Wars universe maybe some examples of heroic moments um but uh, as always, before we get to that, we've got we've got some diligence to take care of. First and foremost, is we had a really fun match, or not a matchup, excuse me, a very fun poll from our last episode where we looked at our favorite Star Wars monsters, and we asked all of you to weigh in on what your favorite Star Wars monsters are, especially in celebration of Halloween this week. And Katie was kind enough to uh, take on the chore of, of grabbing all of those <laughs> results. So, Katie, I hand it over to you. Oh, why, thank you. Our Larians had an awful lot to say this week. Tons of votes for different monsters, and I'm super excited to share these results. In fifth place, with one vote each, we have a vote for Dubex, the Sando Aqua Monster, the Dragon Snake, the Dianoga, Vader in Rogue One, and Chewie in Solo. <laughs> <laughs> what a good monster. I know. The beast. <laughs> Wait, there's a beast? There's a beast. <laughs> I've been fed him in weeks. Aw, poor Chewie. Oh, poor Chewie. Yeah. Starving All right. slave. Yeah. In fourth place, with two votes each, we have a vote for the Sarlacc, the filled with rattlesnakes Sarlacc pit. You know what I realized? Did you? I didn't cast a vote. Yeah. Oh, you didn't cast a vote? No. Oh, yeah, you're right. I didn't tell your vote. Okay, that's okay. Well, I'm pretty sure mine's in the top spot, so I'm just going to let you keep going. Okay, cool. Yeah. So <laughs> Feel free you know, to interject Carl, for yourself. Here's everybody's votes, and Carl's doesn't matter. Also, I didn't tally my vote. I'll just... <laughs> also, Carl's doesn't matter. You're not wrong. <laughs> 
Okay, so what, all I know for sure is the Sarlacc pit is filled with rattlesnakes. <laughs> <laughs> also with two votes is the Accolade, Salacious Bee Crumb, the Space Slug, Porgs? <laughs> I don't get that. I don't get it. Are they, yeah, are they monsters? monsters? Although they did, you did do a great job with your follow-up of like, well, they did tear the falcon apart. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then for some reason, two votes went to George Lucas, which I don't, yeah, I don't get that. I, I don't get that. It either. I mean, the so, only, the, I can only see this as an endearing thing of the flannel monster. So <laughs> like, that's the only way I can see it. If, if somebody's like calling him a monster because they don't like George Lucas, I feel like you need to reevaluate your Star Wars fandom. <laughs> Because I, I think, I'm not going to mince my words. The hell with you if you think no, no. this is a monster. So. No, no. I think I think it has to be a joke thing because uh, you know um, who doesn't want George Lucas to sleep under their bed? It's the right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and in third place with three votes each is the Nexu uh, and Kylo Ren. Oh. Kylo Ren pulled three votes. He is a monster. Yes, yes I, I am. am. <laughs> I got a shout out to my girls, to Tammy and Kate, who showed up to vote for Kylo Ren on Twitter. <laughs> I was like, you guys vote for your favorite monster. And they're like, Kylo Ren. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, Kylo Ren. <laughs> <laughs> and then in second place, <laughs> with seven votes, is, of course, our beloved Wampa. Yay. Yay, the Wampa. Nope. Shout out to Kevin Wong, who said, uh, Wampa Wampa. Yeah, Wampa Wampa. <laughs> That's exactly how he said it. <laughs> and then, of course, probably sur- uh, surprising nobody, in first place with 13 votes is the Rancor. Yeah. Carl, was that your, yeah, that was was that your vote? Yeah, what was your vote? <laughs> I forgot to tell you mine. Mine would be way down in fifth place with one vote. Just me voting for uh, Savage Press. Oh, that's good though. I like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love that Jason brought him up on the last episode. Yeah, same. That was... And then I was like, wait, his episode is literally called Monster. Yeah. Oh, why didn't I vote for Savage? I... Ah. Yeah. No, I did. I just, oh, you know, it's so funny, Katie. Is like, I don't particularly, at this day and age, the Rancor scene when I'm watching Turn of the Jedi, honestly, like, I would say seven out of ten times I watch that movie, I'm not necessarily that enthralled by it. I just love the look of the Rancor. Oh, it's a good look. Yeah. It's, he just, he's so cool. I mean, he's so like, he barely edges out the Wampa to me. Yeah. Um, but he's just so cool looking. And again, like, I have such, there's such a nostalgia factor for sure because I loved that old vintage Rancor toy. Yeah. So shoving Ewoks down his mouth was like my job. Although I love Ewoks, so those poor little Ewoks. Oh, no. <laughs> like it's like, oh, yupty. Um, yeah. Oh, he makes it work. It's a good look. I don't know. The Rancor, the Rancor doesn't break top five for me. I don't know. I think maybe I was just too much of a weenie, like, as a kid, you know? Like, everything scared me. And then, like, on, I, don't, I didn't even... Don't just pretend like you didn't just call yourself a weenie. <laughs> I call this a weenie, you know, chicken, total, total chicken. <laughs> I'm a weenie. You can tell I'm a weenie because I, you know, one, I would use that word weenie oh, and then all the other it. kids would make fun of me for. <laughs> so, I, there, there's a, um, there's a new, a new coworker in my office. She started this, this August and she's like my favorite person I've ever worked with. And she always calls me a dingus and I love oh, it. Oh my gosh. She's That's like, you're great. such a dingus. And I'm like, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> It's like my favorite word. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, oh. That's great. 
But I was thinking, oh, with the Rancor, like, you know, one, it scared me a lot. Two, it eats like a ton of people. Yeah. And then, like, three, I can't even feel good when it gets defeated because Malakili comes in to cry about it. And I'm just like, I have enjoyed nothing about this. Katie, have you ever read the um, the Tales from Jabba's Palace? Um, no, book? but it's real sad, though, isn't it? Yeah, so, well, it's so funny because uh-huh. I used to love all – because they have the Tales from the Mos Eisley Cantina, Tales of the Bounty Hunters, and then Tales from Jabba's Palace. They were all edited by Kevin J. Anderson, but it's a collection of, of authors. Yeah, yeah. And – I always loved all three of them. And oddly enough, I don't actually own a copy of Tales from Java's Palace. So I just ordered a copy off eBay. Oh, nice. The first thing I'm going to do when that gets here is read Malachili's story again. I remember oh. like, the gist of it. Like, I remember in the story, like something along the lines of like he's setting up this deal behind Jabba's back, though, where he and the Rancor are going to go free. And I think they're going to go to Dathmir because, again, in the old canon, Rancors were native to Dathmir. Um, yeah. That's from the Courtship of Princess Leia novel. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, I I could be wrong about it being Dathmir, but there's a scene in the the, the story where Malakili is like riding on the back of the Rancor and they're just having a great time, uh, and it just like yeah, it's like like again like that's such a like Lucasian thing to do, like giving us yeah. this little moment with a side character who's again <laughs> whose name we don't even know in the movie, just like weeping over this dead monster, and it's like okay, there's got to be something more to this, right? <laughs> Exactly. Oh, man. So I just like I remember like growing up and just, you know, going through that range of intense emotions of being like really scared of the Rancor, then really glad that Luke triumphed over it and then really sad for Malakili and just like that range of emotions. I'm just all like, I don't I don't need this. I feel terrible right now. (laughs) You said it. (laughs) Oh, well, but I think the Larians chose well. The Rancor, obviously, very, very popular, very big fan favorite. And, you know, I, I, I don't blame anybody. It just doesn't so, rank for me personally. So, Katie, um, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take us just for like a second because yeah. it is like Halloween tomorrow. And yes. um, this obviously is not a Star Wars question. It, sure. I mean, the answer could be a Star Wars answer. But <laughs> what is your favorite like movie monster? Oh, favorite movie monster? Gosh, that's hard. I don't know. I I really like the um uh oh, what's she called the um the one from Coraline. What is she? The oh, Bell Dam. I've never seen the that. other mother. Oh, I've Coraline. Seen, it's yeah, real good. That. Is that an animated movie? Yeah. Well, okay. it's yeah. It's claymation. Stop. Oh, stop really? motion animated. It's only a few. Yeah, years. Well, it came out. It didn't come out that long ago, right? No, it's only like six years old at this point. Okay. It's real good. It's like it's like a really twisted Alice in Wonderland story where a young girl oh, finds man. herself like pulled into another world and you know everything there seems better at first but then it just turns out that it's all like this elaborate spider's web to pull her in and devour her soul like oh yeah so and then the one running that whatever is is this monster called the bell dam and uh and she takes the guise of of Coraline's mother and uh you know and and like but everything's better like you know this this version of her mother can cook really well and you know and 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 you know makes her wonderful clothes and you know it's just all around better but is just trying to lure her in so that she can devour her and there's something like really it it, it intrigues me that that like you know caring maternal but actually she wants to eat you <laughs> yeah that's terrifying yeah oh yeah <laughs> I'm, yeah, I've never seen it. So I mean, I yeah. remember seeing trailers for it, but I never saw it. Yeah, that's real good. Cool. I'm sorry, yeah, not a Star Wars answer, but no, that's okay. It was meant. <laughs> I mean, it, that was open for interpret. That was open for that. 
Happy Halloween, everybody. Yes. <laughs> what about you, Carl? Do you have a favorite? Oh, definitely. Monster? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's uh, definitely the Cloverfield monster from Cloverfield. Oh, right. Love. Yeah. I love that movie, and I love that monster. Um, yeah. The other two movies are meh, but uh, the original <laughs> Cloverfield is okay. Cloverfield Paradox actually sucks, but um, <laughs> to be fair, but Cloverfield was like that ranks in my top five movies of all time. I love that movie. And yeah. the only reason I love the monster, I mean, there's not much to it, um, but I just love the look of it. I love that literally J.J. Abrams was like, I wanted to make an, uh, you know, a modern day American Godzilla because like yeah. Godzilla is Godzilla probably is the coolest looking monster. Yeah. Um, but uh, <laughs> I love the Cloverfield monster just because it's so like steeped in like trying to make it feel real. Yeah. And there's I have there's a building whenever I walk through downtown Boston, I have what I call the Cloverfield building. Because it's like this really tall building right on the harbor. And yeah. I'm like, I just imagine like, okay, that's probably the height of how cl- how tall Clover was. So I'm just going to, whenever I walk towards it, I'm like, I'm just, what would I do if that was a monster coming towards us right now? I was like, I think I'd love it, but I'd be terrified. I don't know. It'd be great. <laughs> so yeah, I'm weird. So. No, I get it. Because that's how I feel when I'm less like, you know, Darth Maul, he looks real scary. And I'm like, what would I do if he was coming towards me right now? I mean, I'd be real scared, but... Love it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, so anyway, uh, you know, thank you everybody for, as, as always, participating in the poll. And uh, Katie has come up with a great matchup for us for the end of the episode. So certainly stick around for that. Also, yeah. if you've been following along, stick around at the end of the episode for episode seven of the A New Hope Radio Drama, which is the Han Solo Solution, the title of that episode. So Ooh. again, hopefully you've been following along with the radio dramas because ah, they're so good, especially A New Hopes. So what do you what do you think of this? Uh, this was my first time hearing uh, the character of Han Solo as portrayed in the radio dramas, mm. and I don't know how to feel about him. How do you feel about him? I love him. I think Perry Como. Oh, yeah? is such not Perry, yeah yeah Perry yeah isn't it Perry Como? No, that's the singer. I'm sorry. Perry King. Whoops. Perry Como is like a crooner from Frank Sinatra's death. Um, I love Perry Como's Christmas album. Um, <laughs> Han Solo making a Christmas yeah, album. Oh, God. It's Perry King. And so actually, what's interesting is, I'm going to tell you about Santa. It's true. All of it. So it's all true. The, the, cool, the cool thing about Perry King is he actually tried out for the role of Han Solo um, uh-huh. back in 1976. He just didn't get it. Um, but I think he does such a great job of encapsulating the character of Han Solo. Um, what do you think? I don't know. I thought he was a little too oily, you know, there was, uh, I don't know. There's such a subtlety to Harrison Ford's performance and maybe I'm just mm. too attached to, to Harrison Ford, which is ridiculous to say, cause I love Alden's performance, but sure. okay. So backing up here, how I felt about the radio drama performance was just like, you know, when he kills Greedo and then he's like, eh, sorry about the mess. But it's like such a sorry, not sorry kind of thing. Yeah. Which I never felt from Han being all like, you know, sorry about the mess. Like, I don't know. There was something genuine in, you know, there was a regret there in what he just had to do. You know, everybody's like, oh, it's so badass that he just killed Greedo. You know, it was him or Greedo and Han chose himself, you know, however you read that moment, you know, I, I there's a still a potential for heroism in Han in that moment for me. But I did not get that in the vocal performance of this. Eh, sorry about the mess. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't I just, you know, yeah. but I, I don't know how to feel. Personally. Yeah, I think I think Perry Como does a good job of not because again, like he's they recorded those first two. The first one was recorded in 1980, so it was right after Empire came out. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other one was, I think, a year a year or two later. And then Return of the Jedi was like seven years later. Yeah, um, yeah. It took forever. And Return of the Jedi isn't the best. It's fine, but it's definitely the worst of the three. Yeah. Um, but I, what I appreciate about what Perry King does is he's not just like Alden. He's not mimicking Harrison Ford. Yeah. He's yeah. again, like I think he does a good job of being Han Solo. It's definitely a little different, but mm-hmm. I, yeah, to me, it's like, I think it's perfect. Um, cool. And I yeah. think ever since Alden Ehrenreich has played Han Solo, it's made me mm-hmm. actually appreciate Perry King even more because no, now fair. it's like yeah. a third interpretation. And now to be fair, I've still never listened to any of the, the radio dramas that, um, David Collins does where he plays Han Solo. Have you listened mm. to any of those? No, unfortunately. And I need to do that because I've heard David Collins does a fantastic job. And I, I mean, I am. Cool. David Collins is, he is honestly second only to George Lucas of like Star Wars fandom of who I want to meet. Nice. Um, nice. Which I'm trying so hard. <laughs> I remember when he responded to something I posted on Twitter one time. I like, kidding, uh, I'm not kidding. I like texted all my Star Wars friends. I'm like, David <laughs> Collins like, said this. And they're like, uh, that's so cool. And I, You're uh, such a fanboy. Uh, that's so cute. I just, I love him so much. I think he is exactly the personification of what we need in Star Wars fandom. So he's not the only one to be fair. I mean, I think there's a lot of wonderful people doing great things for Star Wars fandom, but I just, I have such a soft spot for him because he's so humble. He's so kind and he's so, so, so smart. Um, and, and the, I also love that he went to Berkeley, which is out here in Boston. Um, so, I remember a couple of years ago he was out visiting Boston. I saw it on his Facebook and I like sent him like three messages. I'm like, please let me hang out with you. But like, obviously he didn't respond and I don't blame him. Like, for like, listen, nerd, I'm not interested, <laughs> but he just, he just seems like just such a genuinely good person. And he's, yeah. he's a great interviewer. Like I love that. He's constantly getting more and more in the limelight on the star Wars stage. Like he got to do the interview for the clone wars, this clone wars thing that they did on starwars.com where he interviewed oh. Dave and George Cool. Um, just a few months ago. And I just feel like David Collins is the face of Star Wars fandom that we need. Um, mm. Like I would pay he and Andy Gutierrez is like the top of that list and nothing cool. against Anthony Carboni. I think he's great, too. But I just ugh, David Collins, like I just ugh, I would love to just spend an hour with him and just listen to him talk. Aww. So uh, <laughs> I'm going to tag him in this and hope to God he listens. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, can't wait to hear us on solo love carl love carl <laughs> you can ditch me after i don't care <laughs> yeah anyway anyway i'll stop fanboying um but uh yeah so anyway i yeah i think i think perry king does a great job so let me ask you this katie and, and sure. then we'll get into our topic here but the the thing that is all that has always bothered me and i'm and i've gotten over it because i've listened to the radio drama so many times but to me the <laughs> biggest issue i've always had it is brock peters as darth vader Oh, okay. He really takes some getting used to. And and I I don't mean that as like a way of slamming Brock Peters. I just it's so different, I mm-hmm. feel like, from what James Earl Jones gave us. Like because I feel like it's trying to mimic it and it just falls short. I don't sure. know. What what do you think? I, I mean I've listened to it so many times that I'm just fine with it. Like I think it's fine as it is. But yeah. the first time I listen to it, I'm like, oh, this Darth Vader is so bad. Um <gasps> I don't know. I I agree. It is different. There was that one part in I don't remember which episode it was, but uh, but he force chokes Antilles right, uh, and then he's all like uh, he calls him yeah. like an insect. Yes, and he's all yeah. like a death without meaning. Yeah. And I'm well, like that. Vader wouldn't that's say that. Weird. Yeah, yeah. wait till like, em- wait till Empire. He he has a line uh, after he uh, 
Yeah, he, there's a line at the beginning of Empire that is very un-Darth Vader-like. But that's not yeah. Brock Peters' fault. That's, um, I mean, that was uh, Brian Daly that wrote the script. So, and I'm, Brian Daly does an overall fantastic job, but there's a few lines he gives to Vader that are very, to me, un-Vader-like. Yeah, where I'm just kind of like, I, I don't know. It didn't, it didn't feel like Vader, and it, it just kind of felt like it, that's not Anakin. You're not Anakin right now. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But then again, I guess I have very specific ideas of who Anakin and you know is. Of course, growing up with the prequels and being very attached to that. But then at the same time, it doesn't. I guess it doesn't bother me too much, just because like, um, you know, I, I've seen Vader do a lot of weird stuff, man. Like Lego Vader, Darth Vader at the Disney parks. You've seen like those commercials of Darth Vader going to Disneyland and like yeah. riding the carousel and stuff. <laughs> So I yeah. guess I'm just used to seeing Vader be be different. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Again, like I think it's fine now, but yeah. Um, I yeah. think um, Anne Sachs as Leia is phenomenal. Oh yeah. Oh definitely. She's so good. So 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 good. Um, have we gotten to the Vader torture scene with her yet? I can't remember which episode I don't think that's so. in. It might be if it might be in the one that we're coming up with or the next one. It's an intense. I think so. Scene. Yeah, it's very intense. And um, I've been doing some research on the radio dramas because uh, I'm going to be doing an episode at some point with Scott Rifen because Scott knows cool. a, Scott is a fantastic Star Wars historian. That's what I classify him as. Oh, and, nice. Uh, he all, I mean, he digs the, the, the radio dramas. So I've been doing some research to do something with him a little bit later on. But um, apparently after the torture scene, which, again, we get it very vividly in the radio mm-hmm. drama. Um, when Ann Sachs came out of the recording booth, Brock Peters was waiting to like give her a big hug because it's so intense. Oh, and wow. she admits that she like she was even repulsed by hugging him. Like she was just so oh, wow. taken aback by that scene. And it is. It's yeah. it's it's intense. So, um, yeah, yeah, I don't think it's happened yet. So it might be if it's not in this one, it's definitely in, in next week's episode. So. So stick around. Oh, for some good old torture. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. So. <laughs> Well, let's let's talk about some let's talk about heroes. <laughs> let's do it. I um, love it. Let's go. So I wanted to just share this like very simple quote from the you know the the one who shines light on the monomyth of the hero's journey, which is the great the late and great Joseph Campbell. Um, and he has this very simple, profound quote as to what a hero is. And he says, "quote A hero is someone who has given his or her life to something bigger than oneself." End quote. Um. I feel like, yeah, that's the perfect way of defining mm. what a hero is, yeah. um, right? Anyone who gives themselves over to something larger than themselves. Um, and uh, But I think there's also then lots of subtle layers of what makes up a hero. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think that's the biggest thing is someone who's giving themselves over to something bigger than themselves. That's Star Wars, folks. Yeah. That- <laughs> Yeah, just the the idea of living beyond your own ego. You know that that's the force, isn't it? To be connected to this bigger thing that extends beyond you, but you're a part of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. just and you know all these heroes throughout our different Star Wars stories all ultimately, you know, give themselves to something greater, to something bigger and and then become more. Right. <laughs> Yeah. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, the thing I think that's important too about mm-hmm. heroes are also like incredibly selfless characters. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, giving yourself to something bigger can be 
I mean, I think especially in the context of Star Wars, it's usually like giving yourself over to the force in some way, shape or form. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also like giving yourself like for the example of Han Solo, like it's giving yourself over to a cause bigger than yourself. Like mm-hmm. specifically in Return of the Jedi, I don't think Han is giving himself over because he believes in the will of the force. He really does finally buy into the cause of the rebellion yeah. um, in a way that he he certainly doesn't in A New Hope. He certainly still isn't quite there in Empire. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not until Return of the Jedi where he's bought into the cause itself. But and, and this is something I actually really love about Han's character is obviously um, to me part of what makes Han heroic. And it's actually very similar to like Anakin from the prequel mm-hmm. era is it's all about faithfulness to people rather than yeah. abstract ideals. Right. Um, and I think Han, though, learns that those abstract ideals are fleshed out by the people he cares about. Right. Like Leia specifically. Yeah. Leia is the one that will flesh out for Han what the rebellion is all about. You know, mm-hmm. you, you think of Han at the end of Solo when Enfys Nest says, you know, we need warriors like warriors and leaders like you. Oh, my God. I love Enfys Nest. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, she's great. Katie, I'm so excited for Celebration Enfys Nest like cosplayers. I'm going to oh, be gosh. like all up on them, like appropriately, uh, but like with pictures. Okay, yeah. <laughs> um, just like in awe of them. Yeah, just, I'm just going to like mean. kneel in front of them and just be like, can I just – I'm just yeah. I just want to be in awe of you right now. I'm honored to be in your presence. Like I'll just can be you too just, intimidated you to get say, within ten feet of them. Can you just go Beckett? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm gonna be all like you know pointing. It's like, hey, we got thirty hired guns over there. All I have to do is snap my fingers, and you're surrounded. I'm lying. And then and then I want Nate to be standing next to you and just run. <laughs> <laughs> Nate is Katie's husband. For those of you who don't yeah, know, just right. yeah. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, but you know, the, like for Han, right? Like, it, yes. he 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 de- he denies going with Enfys because it doesn't really mean anything to him. Like, yeah. I don't even think what he does at the end of that movie is particularly heroic. Um, but he's certainly the hero when he volunteers to lead that mission to Endor. Um, he's bought him. He's bought into this cause bigger than himself. And who flushed that out for him is definitely Leia and obviously Luke as well. But I think first and foremost is Leia. Yeah. So. Yeah. What does she say? If money is all that you love, that's, that's exactly what you'll receive. Yeah. Your friend's quite the mercenary. I wonder mm-hmm. if he really cares about anything or anybody. Oh, gosh. I care. I love that. <laughs> I, I love, love Luke. I care. <laughs> right? Want to make out? <laughs> oh, I think that's so important that Leia challenges him in yeah. that way. She doesn't oh, yeah. just, I mean, she absolutely inspires him. That's important too, but she right. also challenges him because she's like, I know you're better than this. Yeah. You know, like oh, that's so important. Yeah, it really is. Um, oh, what else do you, what else do you think goes into making up a hero? I think, a big part of being a hero is the ability, the courage to face your guilt and your failures. Mm. It's just something that Luke has to learn in The Last Jedi, which yeah. I just absolutely love. Um, I feel like there was a lot of guilt you know, in Luke. The inability to face Leia, I think, is what drove him away. 
you know, obviously he he also had these very big ideas about, well, I need to let the Jedi die so that the light side can can find a new way. You know, he, he had those those big lofty ideas, but I think at the heart of it, he just couldn't bear to face her, which is is a lot of what kind of drove, you know, Anakin further and further, you know, into the dark side was his guilt, you know, over not being able to save his mother and killing Padme. He thinks he killed Padme, right? you know, and, and the inability to, to face that and to, to own up. to you know, to what that means, you know, when, when Luke is finally able to face it and he goes, you know, and, and, and doesn't confront Leia, but what's the word I'm looking for? He finally owns up to, to what he's done. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he, he can almost like he confesses to her. Yeah. Confesses. Yeah. Confesses. That's the word I'm looking for. to Leia. That that's what makes him a hero. You know, of course, everybody stands in awe that he's going to stand down and face the entire First Order with a laser sword. Yeah. But what really makes that moment heroic is that he he's accepting what he's done and, you know, his role in all of this, you know. Right. And facing Kylo. Yeah. I think, and then I think that's part of why you know Kylo just isn't ready to be a hero yet, <laughs> you know, because I, I, I do believe that he'll be redeemed in Episode Nine. But his inability to to go with Rey, you know, when she's like, "Let's save the fleet," you know, tell tell them to stop firing. There's still time to save the fleet, and he's like, "No, let's just let the past die," you know. He's unable to go back with her because he's killed his father. He's made a lot of mistakes and he doesn't want to face that to own up to it. It's much easier for him to let everything burn and to just, you know, to just never face it, (laughs) to just pretend that that was all, you know, that it's all in the past and it doesn't matter now, but you know, there's a difference between what's right and what's easy. And that's the, (laughs) that's star Wars, isn't it? The light side is what's hard, but more emotionally fulfilling. It's what's right. And the dark side, you know, the quick, quicker, easier, you know, that's, yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and especially going with like what you, you know, mentioned with like fate, the, the importance of facing one's guilt. I mean, such Mm -hmm. a huge part of the hero's journey and mm-hmm. I mean, to be fair, I know like you did a great job a few episodes back unpacking this idea of the heroine's heroine's journey, mm-hmm. specifically mm-hmm. with Ray and, and Last yeah. Jedi. Um, but I, I think both these journeys have this element, though, of part of that journey is always that that inward movement too, right? Of of mm-hmm. going inside and facing either your guilt or your fear, all of the above, yeah. um, and and coming out triumphant. And I think. What also makes a hero is someone who is really being their most authentic self in the face of difficulty. Yeah. Um, and like, for instance, I think in Luke's mind when he retreats to Octu, he does see this as a heroic act. You hmm. know, he, I think um, when he does that in his mind, I'm being the hero because of what you were talking about earlier, Katie, like, mm-hmm. you know, he thinks that it's time to let the Jedi order pass away so that something new can come, you know, out of the ashes of that. So yeah. in Luke's mind, he is doing something heroic. He's making that hard choice. Mm-hmm. Um, as Ryan Johnson himself said in the, uh, I think the, the, the mini documentary and the special features is called the balance of the force. But he talks about how for Luke, to him, this is making that that hard choice he couldn't make an empire, which is he's mm-hmm. going to cut himself off so that he can't, you know, fix everything. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think, right, like so much of the theme, you know, one of the undercurring themes of, of, of Last Jedi is this sense of what is a hero, right? And, and Poe mm-hmm. is the other character who oh, really right. learns yeah. about what it means to be a hero. And, you know, right at the top of the movie, Poe thinks it's heroic to just go after that dreadnought. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's, you know, he, and, and as well as his plan to just, you know, sneak on board this ship, like he's <laughs> in some ways, Poe is still very arrogant. Um, he's yeah. he's thinking that he has to take care of everything because I think in some small ways, Poe does want to be a hero. He mm-hmm. and, and in some I don't think that's inherently bad for poe right poe is somebody and this is part of the legacy of the sequel trilogy is it's contending with this reality of these are characters growing up with the legacy that we all know and love too right like the legacy Mm -hmm. of luke skywalker the legend of han solo and princess leia you know Mm -hmm. so poe is somebody who grew up knowing those stories and i think he himself wants to be that but he's trying to learn how to do that right like Mm -hmm. um all of these heroic choices that that the big three make in the original trilogy are very organic. Um, I think mm-hmm. Poe is trying a little too hard, um, and I think you know at the end of the movie, at the Battle of Crait, when he learns that survival is inherently heroic too. You mm-hmm. know, sometimes you can't win the day, but retreating to fight another day is an act of heroism, and he learns that lesson, right? Yeah. Um, well, leading leading them from danger, you know, it's I. These two things can go hand in hand, obviously. But Leia needs him to stop trying to be a hero and be a leader. Yeah. You know, hero. It it is a word that comes up a lot in the Last Jedi, and you know, thinking about well, why does a hero apply in this situation but not that situation? You know, at, at the top of the movie, Poe says there were heroes on that mission. You know, after after he loses all all of those bombers uh, with the dreadnought plan he says there were heroes on that mission and leia says dead heroes no leaders yeah so yes all of those pilots were heroes and you know maybe in some way you know what what poe was doing was heroic to take down that big dreadnought but he wasn't being a leader you know, and that's that's what they needed. The resistance is made up of heroes and we need a leader, which is, you know, of course, these two things would go hand in hand. But that's, you know, Leia doesn't need just a pilot. Right. <laughs> she needs a leader to take over this resistance because she's not going to be around forever. Yeah. And um, and gosh, yeah. Speaking speaking of, you know, that bombing mission, Paige, what a hero. Paige Tico, Rose's sister, you know, yeah. Paige. Yeah. All the bombers are gone. It's all down to you. And just what she does to, to you know, make sure the mission succeeds, you know, like yeah, she's amazing. I, I love Paige so much, and she never even gets a speaking line. <laughs> she says Nix or whatever that she guy's does. Name is. Yeah, Nix. Yeah, she like shouts <laughs> yeah. at her pilot, and it's yeah, like, yeah. nope, not there. Yeah, he's he's gone. I think what I think is very interesting is that I think maybe Paige is our first example in in this movie in the last jedi like specifically of saving what you love versus fighting what you hate yeah because you know the the uh that dreadnought is rearing up to to fire on the fleet you know yeah. and just kill them all and and what Paige does is she touches that necklace you know before she like before she blows mm-hmm. up that dreadnought so she's saving her sister not destroying what she hates, you yeah, know? Right. Because, well, I mean, and, and it's interesting to me that that is, those are the bombs that land, <laughs> you know, that that's, she's the pilot that makes it all these other bombers just coming in to, to destroy what they hate, you know? 
versus <laughs> Paige very specifically, you know, firing on the dreadnought to, to save the fleet. It's very interesting to me that she's the one that makes it. Yeah. You know, like, cause, cause when Poe goes in and, and takes out all those cannons, he's doing that to, to make sure that everybody can get evacuated and he succeeds. And now they can all escape together. But Poe decides, no, we're going to take on this dreadnought. We're going to, you know, go on the attack. And that's, that's where the battle shifts for me. You know, they're no longer just trying to evacuate. They are actively going on the offensive and that's where they start to fail. And when it becomes, you know, well, now we have to save the fleet because the dreadnought's going to fire on them. That's when they succeed. That's when Paige succeeds. Because, mm. you know, because she's touching that necklace and thinking about her sister, thinking about who she's going to save, not who she's going to defeat, you know? Yeah. And that that I think is another like huge thing about what makes a hero. A hero saves what they love. They don't fight what they hate. They save what they love. Sure. Yeah. I also feel like that's been baked into Star Wars since like day one. You know, it's it's never been like as explicitly stated as it was when Rose says it at the end of the Last Jedi. But if you look at like the Ewoks, the Ewoks triumph. Not because they hate the Empire, but because they're defending their home. Mm. They're saving what they love. And then um, the the Naboo and the Gungans coming together to save their home. They succeed. They're not fighting what they hate. They're saving what they love, which is all my long, uh, you know, long-winded way of saying that Jar Jar Binks is a hero, you guys. Jar Jar Binks. Mm. <laughs> Nothing but respect for my bombad general. <laughs> <laughs> Jason would appreciate that. <laughs> yeah and you know um -hmm. well like han's most heroic act is is coming back to the battle of yavin yeah and Mm -hmm. he's doing that to save what he loves he loves luke in some way it's not that he hates the empire he's kind of i mean he's just resigned to the empire whatever they're just they're there i'm i I avoid them and they do my thing right he just he's like Jin. i keep my head down you know it's not a problem if i don't look up you know um, yeah, it's yeah. probably Han's mentality about the Empire. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's only when they're threatening now this new these new friendships of his that he shows up because they need his help. It's not I'm entering this to defeat the Empire. I'm entering this to save my friends. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about this a lot, too, when I was like putting together some notes this morning that Han's heroic arc is really – which is ultimately started in Solo – comes to its like conclusion in a new hope and then is even made more full in return of the Jedi, Mm -hmm. you know, but he makes that selfless act to give himself over to something bigger than himself. Um, an empire, he, he continues to be that selfless character who risks himself for the safety of his friend, which is Luke, right. Going out into the Mm -hmm. Hoth craziness. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, and then in Jedi, you know, Return of the Jedi, like giving himself over specifically to the cause um, to save the galaxy, yeah. um, you know. But yeah, you know, I mean, that's even that's true for Han. Um, I feel like that's the journey that Finn is going on too, where he has gone very slowly from caring about. He's like, I care about me. Yeah. And my safety to very slowly caring about caring about individual people, you know, Ray and then Rose and uh, Poe, <laughs> and then very slowly caring about the cause, the cause of the resistance. It's, it's taken him a bit to get there. And I think that 
by the end of Last Jedi, he is where Poe kind of was at the beginning of the movie. By the end of the movie, Finn's where Poe was at the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> if that makes sense. <laughs> where he's like, you know, it 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 feels very good to strike back, to hit, you know, the the people that hurt him so much. Which which makes a certain amount of sense because, you know, uh Finn just took down Phasma. You know, yeah. and I imagine that felt great in that kind of, you know, twisted dark side kind of way where it's all like, you know, she she was awful and she caused him a lot of pain and he was able to to hit back and put her down, you know, and, and then he like stands triumphantly over her and he's all like, yeah, I'm rebel scum. So, of course, he thinks it's going to feel great to just keep hitting the First Order back like that. But Rose is like, no, that's that's not what's going to fulfill you. That's not how we're going to win going to win by saving what we love right and so i think i think he is only at the end of the last jedi he's only just now starting to realize what that means to to live and fight for a cause and to to truly save what you love yeah and not just keep hitting back right you know yeah yeah you know and i think part of what makes up a hero too is Mm -hmm. right the in a way like being a hero is again it's it's that very just Mm -hmm. simple yet hard Dis- conscious decision like i was i was doing a little bit of research mm-hmm. today on like you know just like how what is the general consensus of what a hero is yeah um and uh like heroes the hero often makes a very conscious decision right and it's mm-hmm. a, it's a conscious hard decision mm-hmm. um but also what goes into making up a hero is the way that they're remembered heroes mm-hmm. inspire awe in others they inspire people to do and be more you know, that's what a hero is. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like, I mean, looking at it that even in contemporary culture, people look to like a guy like Martin Luther King and they say he's a hero because mm. he his actions, right? What he does inspires mm-hmm. people to be greater. My favorite incarnation of Batman, which is in the Dark Knight trilogy, is he's a hero because he inspires people via his actions to be better. Mm. You know, that's what a hero does. So... You know, and again, that's a huge theme, especially at the end of Last Jedi, that Luke comes back and reignites the legend, the heroic legend that is Luke mm. Skywalker. Um, you know, his understanding of going to Octu to be a hero isn't heroic at all. Yeah. Um, it really isn't. Like, he was wrong. Um, mm-hmm. And Ray is the one that's going to shake him out of that incorrectness. Um mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, him showing up on crate as a force projection is recapturing that heroic status that he always yeah. had. Um, but to me, the biggest heroic choice Luke makes mm-hmm. is in Return of the Jedi. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, my that, God. Right, it's that, uh, it's the ch- that choice yeah. to be nonviolent, that tossing mm-hmm. aside of the saber. It's where he captures in its fullness what it means to actually be a Jedi. Right. Jedi use the Mm -hmm. force for knowledge and defense, never for attack. We see Luke Mm -hmm. literally live that out by casting aside his lightsaber. Um, It is the most heroic thing Luke could ever do Um, because he's giving himself completely over to something beyond himself. The force like the biggest beyond yourself in Star Wars (laughs) is the force. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I think it's it's the spiritual lifeblood of Star Wars. Um and Luke just literally casting himself into the net of the force um, is the most heroic thing he can do um, because that is the biggest thing beyond himself that he knows. And again, you can easily say the same is somewhat true for Chirrut. 
you know, oh, um, yeah, when he yeah. marches out to that master switch, he casts himself heroically into the web of the force and just trust that thing beyond himself that even though he's very potentially marching to his death, he's doing it um, for something bigger than himself. And, and I think that's, you know, that is the, to me the, what has been when full, will probably forever be my most endearing favorite part of Rogue One is that all of Rogue One, the entire crew of Rogue One, you know, Jin, Cassian, K2, um, Baze, Chirrut, and Bodhi. These are mm-hmm. all heroes because they're fighting for a future they will not see. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And like, not. I, I don't want to like get too, too, too into this because I don't want to like go this route. But I think that message is so damn important today because we mm-hmm. live in a culture where people like to be blind to the consequences of our actions. Mm-hmm. Um, looking at climate change things um, and <laughs> people like to deny realities and pretend like they're not problems. And s- what really sickens me is that like, Oh, we'll probably be nice for you. Cause you'll be gone before these things really get bad. Mm. The thing that rogue one teaches us is that even though we may not be here, mm-hmm. we have an impact on the future, do something mm-hmm. right about it. And that's what rogue one is all about is, you know, don't hide from, the truth is don't keep your head down and don't look up at the reign of terror, you know, tyranny, yeah. but do something about it. Even if you're not going to be here, that is mm-hmm. why. And that's why like, I love that. And, and again, we don't actually have this specifically given yet. I think I wouldn't be surprised if we get this in a comic, but the fact that rogue squadron and empire yeah. strikes back is rogue squadron. I'd like to think is because it's literally an homage to rogue one, right? Yeah. Luke is rogue leader. That, yeah. he's not rogue one. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You saw, did you see that? I don't remember what issue it was, but but Luke t- told everybody to Rogue Squadron form up, and and he name dropped Jenner. So oh, I don't remember which comic it was. I'm so sorry, but yeah, oh, we yes. saw that. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm yeah not he did. Up to date on the comics at all? Oh um, yeah, it was it was a cool moment because he was all like, he, I think he was all like, we're we're heroes, just like Jenner. So Rogue Squadron form up, something like that. It was really awesome. cool. Awesome. That's so yeah. Cool. yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love that. But yeah, I yeah. mean that's I mean that entire Rogue One crew. They're heroes mm-hmm. because Oh yeah. um they're giving themselves over to something that they won't even see and yeah. that those actions obviously inspire others. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, I mean that's a huge oh, You're making me cry. I love Rogue One so much. I yeah, love, they're all movie. such they're heroes. <laughs> They really are. And it's exactly as you are, just, you know, the, the fact that they will never get to see it. You know, the, they'll, they just have the hope that one day there will be a galaxy without an empire. Yeah. You know, they, they're just giving their lives for just a chance at it. That, wow. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I guess, I guess, yeah, a, a part of, of heroism is, is sacrifice to, to a point, I suppose, because I feel like, you know, uh, Finn at the end of the last Jedi, just barreling recklessly into that, into that, you know, what was it? The cannon, the Death yeah. Star cannon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I think it was way more heroic for Rose to tell him to stop that <laughs> and to pull him back, you yeah. know. But uh, uh, yeah, Rogue One, man, <laughs> I'm just tearing up. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> I, yeah, I think one of also like mm-hmm. a pinnacle heroic moment in star Wars Mm -hmm. is Anakin saving Luke in return of the Jedi as well. I think, I think that climactic moment in return of the Jedi is 
mm-hmm. the biggest statement of heroism we get in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think specifically with Anakin saving Luke, because again, that's not Darth Vader mm-hmm. anymore. Oh, yeah. What's so darn important about that? Why that story is so awe-inspiring? And I will say this, and, I, and one critique I continue to have with the sequel trilogy era, um, and mm-hmm. not specifically the films, but just some of the expanded novels we've gotten, what we learned in Bloodline is that nobody really knew the truth about Anakin's redemption. Now, mm-hmm. in the Legends canon, everybody knew that, like that Darth Vader was oh, redeemed right. by Luke. And now, to, be, to be fair, like the Legends canon, there's definitely a lot of goofiness to it for sure. <laughs> but um, I think that the sequel trilogy in some ways is, is, has really failed the legacy of Star Wars in some ways. And I think this is hmm. one of those moments of failing it is because like, oh, it's a big secret because no one would believe Luke. It's like, stop like putting like modern day pessimism <laughs> into Star Wars. Please stop that. <laughs> um, and... I think why that is such a heroic moment is is because what is more powerful a statement than the worst person in the entire galaxy mm-hmm. could find mm-hmm. redemption, you know? Yeah. That is and, – and again, like if you look at the, the, Luke, the George Lucas era of Star Wars – and I'm not saying only look at it because the sequels suck. It's not what I'm implying. <laughs> but if you look at that, like George wrote a complete story about how – the worst you could become is still mm-hmm. redeemable, right? Mm. There, that you can still be a hero even after you've been a villain. Um, yeah. And I oh, think yeah. that's such an important theme that mm-hmm. no one is beyond redemption. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I, I, gosh, I remember being a kid. I, I'd never seen a story like that where our, it, it blows the mind to think about our hero is completely defenseless and calling out to the villain for help mm. and that the villain would then answer that call and become a hero himself. That, whoa, <laughs> definitely blew my mind when I was a little kid. Yeah. I mean, it still boggles the mind to think about where you're just like, of course, it seems obvious now, but at the time, you, you never, you never would have guessed it would go that way because you know, isn't that the point of storytelling? Is that the you know the brave young knight goes out, slays the dragon, saves the princess, and you know right. that that's it. Story, you know, the end. Yep. We're we're done. Good job. <laughs> yep. You you don't imagine that the you know that the knight and you know the dragon is going to save the knight. And yeah, it's all going to be okay. Well, I guess in a way, the uh. knight, the knight did <laughs> save the dragon, and then the dragon yeah. saved the knight. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> the princess runs off with the rogue in the yeah, background. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, yeah. it was so interesting when I was, I was thinking about the prequels, um, mm-hmm. because obviously last Jedi has, has a lot of things to say about heroism, you know, yeah. who is a hero? Oh, yeah. What is a hero? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think the sequel trilogy or the last Jedi specifically, reinforces what we got from the originals about what is a hero. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I was racking my brain cause and it makes sense that there's maybe not a ton of heroism in the prequels because it's the story of the fall tragedy, of, the of tragedy. Yeah. <laughs> but the first mm-hmm. thing that honestly came to my mind was Padme and Phantom Menace choosing to go mm-hmm. back to Naboo mm-hmm. when she's on Coruscant, right? She can stay there where it's safe, right? Yeah. Like as, as yeah. Palpatine tells her, but she chooses to be one with her people. Yeah, that's that's heroism. You know, um, she's giving herself she's going to go back and do everything she can to free her people, even if it means her own death. 
again, like you said, Katie, like there's there's always not not necessarily like it doesn't have to be, but almost always there seems to be an element of sacrifice that goes along with heroism. Mm-hmm. Right? When you give yourself over to something bigger than yourself, whatever that bigger thing is, that usually means giving something up of yourself. Padme's giving up the luxury and comfort and the safety of just staying on Coruscant, maybe even letting like Palpatine play his political game and eventually maybe, you know, undoing this diplomatically. Yeah. You know, but like she says, like, I'm worried about when that'll happen. If there'll be nothing left of our people, our way of life. Right. Like, yeah, that point people are starving. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So she chooses, even though she's the queen, she chooses to humble herself. And go back to be one with them and to give her all to fight for them. You know, um, that's that's not only a sign of heroism, but also a sign of true leadership. <laughs> yeah, you're making me I wanted to find Padme's tone poem from The Phantom Menace. You know, it, there was like all those poems that came out as commercials before, yeah, I only before The Phantom Mons. Menace came out. Yeah. I'm trying to remember. Her, hers was really good. There was like, she was saying, there are things I cannot do. You know, she was like, I cannot, I can't find it. <laughs> I'm try- and so I'm just going to say from what I remember, she was saying, uh, there are things I cannot do. I cannot judge those who are different. I cannot, uh, you know, forsake those who need my help. Like, you know, all that, all that cool stuff like that. And she goes, there are things I cannot do, but there are things I will do. And I thought that was so powerful. That's real good. Yeah. Oh, do you All think right. you found it? Uh, here we go. Yep. Oh. Got it. Hold on. Let's, let's play Ooh. this. Hold on. There might be an ad. <laughs> no, <okay. laughs> there are things I cannot do. I cannot watch while people suffer. I cannot sit when something must be done. I cannot judge those who are different. There are things I cannot do. Run. Hide. Ignore. There are things I cannot do, but there are certainly things I will do. Oh, <laughs> that's so good. Padme, so what a good. hero. Yeah. She is. She sounds so young. I know. I don't even think that's Natalie Portman, I don't though. think it is either. It doesn't sound like her. Um <laughs> You're yeah. not Natalie Portman, but I love you anyway, whoever yeah. you are. <laughs> You're still Padme. <laughs> You're still Padme. You're still a queen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, still queen in my heart. Like, yeah, that is, that's so heroic. You know, there there are things I cannot do, but there are things I will do. She, you know, she's going to go, you know, live and die with her people. Right. That's so important. Oh, Padme. And then remember, like, she's the one that wants to go off and save Obi-Wan when Anakin is just all like, oh, the council told us not me, me, yeah. me, me. Padme's like, well, I'm going to go rescue Obi-Wan. You do what you want. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah. You know, so um, yeah. what's interesting, like, and then to me, the other biggest hero, and mm-hmm. I don't know, and, and, and I'm really curious, Katie, if you think this is heroic or not because i think sometimes we throw the road the word hero around a little too willy-nilly if i'm being completely honest um so and and i'm gonna i'm gonna offer this up just from something i I, an article i read this morning while i was doing a little bit of look into you know what is a hero and this may offend some people and and i certainly i do not mean offense but the article was talking about how heroes aren't just people who are in the wrong place at the right time or the wrong place at the wrong time so i.e like and it's gonna sound awful but like somebody who was like killed in 9-11, right? Like if you were in the Twin Towers, like everyone who died there is 
often called a hero. And this article is kind of positing, well, they're not heroes. They're just in the wrong place at the wrong time. And it's not trying to like belittle their death. And I don't, and I don't certainly mean to belittle the death. You're just trying to be thoughtful. I understand. Right. And, and yeah. I think it's saying, but like, yes, like the firemen and police officers who rushed into those collapsing buildings, they're heroes. They made that conscious choice to put their lives at risk for those in danger, right? Mm -hmm. um, that's an act of heroism. Like being stuck in that building when it went down, that doesn't really make you a hero. And again, it's not, I'm not belittling those people. That's, it's a tragedy. It's not heroism, mm -hmm. right? Okay. Um, and yeah. um, so I say all that to, to get to this point that probably has nothing exactly to do with this. But so, because again, I, 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 I guess I posit that as a way of saying like, I want to be careful of how we use the word hero. Um, sure. So I'm curious if you think Shmi is a hero in episode one for letting Anakin go. Part of me thinks that is heroic because mm -hmm. she could have made the, the safe choice of been like, well, Anakin, like, I'm going to really miss you. Right. She could have played up the part where she could have easily had Anakin stay. Mm -hmm. um, but in the same way that I see like Luke's act of nonviolence in Return of the Jedi is how he captures the essence of what it means to be a Jedi and that makes him a hero, I would almost posit that like Shmi letting Anakin do whatever he has to do to grow is also heroic because it's being the complete embodiment of what it means to be a parent, right? Mm. And um, mm -hmm. in some ways, I think being the most full version of whatever your role is in life is mm -hmm. somewhat heroic because a lot oh, yeah. of times it comes at a cost. So I don't know. Do mm -hmm. you think that's heroic or is that just her being a good mom? Like, I you, think, oh, I think that's think? absolutely, yeah, it, I think it's heroic because it's, she, she lives, she fulfills that role so selflessly, you know, yeah. and she, and she has nothing but good intent and she wants nothing but the best for him. You know, she, she puts aside all of her own pain for, to, to give him what's best. And, and she, she approaches it with nothing but trust and love. You know, she doesn't know Qui-Gon Jinn. She doesn't right. know this guy. Yeah. And she's like, but you're going to look after him and make sure that he's cared for and that he's going to have a better life than what I could give him. You know, she, she approaches it with nothing but trust and, and hope. And I really feel strongly that Shmi Skywalker must have been part of the, you know, one of the those Force acolytes, like like Jin Urso's mom, whose name I can't remember, and I feel terrible. Lyra, Lyra, Lyra yeah, you know, or oh, she just Lyra, like troublesome as ever, <laughs> and you know, just trust the Force, you know, just yeah. one of one of those. Uh, so I I do feel like Shmi is a hero because you know, there's nothing. Yeah, she's a mom, but nothing says she had to do any of that. You know, right. there's absolutely nothing that that was making her do that. She was completely self self motivated to do it. And then when she saw her, when she saw her son again, she wasn't like, "Hey, these guys have been torturing me. Maybe kill them all for me." No, she was just really happy to see him again. Yeah, she's she's such a hero. She's just Shmi Skywalker, ball of light, ball yeah. of goodness. And you know, and and like yeah. even in that moment, right? She. So you, mm -hmm. very in a very personal way, she obviously wants what's best for her son, for Anakin, mm -hmm. and, and she, gen, she genuinely believes that him going off with Qui-Gon and learning yeah. the ways of the Force, becoming a Jedi is the best thing yeah. for him. But I think she also sees it in a grander way of like, my son 
was meant to help you, right? Not mm-hmm. just you. I, I think th- at that point, it's expanded not just like you, like Qui-Gon, Padme, and this Jar Jar character, but also mm-hmm. you, the galaxy at large. She yeah. recognizes that there's something special about him that if these innate abilities within him are honed and, and, and trained and um, given more opportunity, mm-hmm. that Anakin will become so much more. Yeah. So Shmi completely obviously buys into him going and being more, yeah. you know, and that's, that's heroic. Um, you yeah. know, Hera, and like, Hera was, less, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was just, lest we forget that she's the one who instilled in Anakin those ideas about like, you know, he's, mom, you said the greatest problem in this galaxy is that people don't help each other. You know, she's the one who taught him those things and, you know, yeah. taught him to help and instilled in him that goodness. Like that was Shmi. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, I mean, like, so I guess, like, in summary, like, heroes yeah. are characters who do something, right? It, it needs to be to be. They try. You have, you have yeah. to do something. Like, there has to be a conscious action. And that conscious mm-hmm. action is usually one of selflessness, that you give something up. You're sacrificing something in yourself, be it um, something big or small. Um, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes it is like your life itself. Um, yeah. and you do that while believing that it's for something bigger than you. Mm-hmm. That's what a hero is. And yeah. Star Wars is just riddled with heroes. Yeah. Um, you know, actually the one thing I was thinking, like something super close to home right now with Star Wars is resistance. I love right. that yep. episode in resistance <laughs> when Kaz uses his trophy the thing that means most to him in the world, he uses mm-hmm. that to save a villain, right? Yeah. Like yep. he puts that in the doorway and mm-hmm. it gets completely mangled and, you know, crushed. crushed yeah. And, <laughs> but he does this for someone who's literally trying to kill him. Yeah. That's a hero. Oh yeah. Right. Like he <laughs> mm-hmm. is just so inherently good. He thinks about others before himself. Like that's a hero. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Cause like that, that trophy was so valuable, not only to Kaz, it had a great emotional value to Kaz, but it was also a material value. People were trying to, you know, buy it off of him and were being all like, well, you could live in the best places and have all the best food if you sold that trophy. And Kaz is like, nah, nah. But at the end of the day, no matter how valuable that, that thing was, it wasn't worth more than a life. And Kaz just knew that instinctively innately he knew that you know if he could trade this trophy for a life then absolutely no second thought yeah because it's a good one yeah and you know i've been watching i've been watching a lot of the good place lately i don't know if you've seen that show i've never seen it i really oh, it's real good it. i feel like i'd just be crying the whole time oh it's yeah, yeah. oh yeah no it'll get you <laughs> it'll get you but um you know in in the good place you know they, they keep asking this question like how do we be good people and in one of the more recent episodes um one of the characters just said well we can try you know mm-hmm. and it's such an easy answer but you know it does take a little while i think to get there sometimes or it's like well how do i do good you can try <laughs> Yeah, we could. Ju- that's all. Some we can do sometimes is try, and I think that that also is is a hero. A hero tries. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. That's a that's a great point. Mm-hmm. And again, it just makes me think of the Rogue One crew. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're just gonna, tr- you know. We'll, we'll try and try and try until we run off chances, you know? Yeah, until the chances are spent. Oh, yeah. I love Jen! <laughs> yeah, you know, it's... Oh, yeah. It's so good. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, and real quick, just th- yeah. thinking on something you said earlier about, you know, kind of going to this theme about how heroes are ultimately ones who fight for what they love, not what they hate. Mm-hmm. And you gave some great comparisons of that. How about, hello, Saw Gerrera. Saw, like, Saw's mm-hmm. not doing mm-hmm. a whole lot. And it's because mm-hmm. his whole mission is fighting what he hates. Yeah. He's not going to be successful. Yeah. Who's and he, su- like, and he approaches everybody with suspicion and yeah. doubt and hatred yeah. and anger. You right. Know? Yeah. And, like, we know why he is there, but um, he, but he also chooses to be there. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, he chooses not to heal from the damage that's been done to him. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas a hero, again, like going back to what we were talking about earlier on in the discussion, a true hero faces their guilt, faces mm-hmm. their own failures, faces the damage, the violence that's even been done to them. A hero faces those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, chooses yeah. to become something more. I, I led a retreat a couple weekends ago and I got to listen to students who in all honesty are freaking heroes the journeys yeah. they've been through and the violence that's been done to them um, yeah. um, because of the particular community that they're a part of um, and listening to them basically tell these stories of, you know what? I'm, I chose to get over the violence done to me and I mm-hmm. choose to be myself and live authentically in the world and be something more in the world. Like those are mm-hmm. heroes. Like these students were like, I work with some students that are freaking heroes and I love it. Oh yeah. It's oh, definitely. amazing. Um, yeah. And you know, there's always that part of me, like I hear some of these stories and I, I immediately think like, mm-hmm. gosh, these people that have done the violence, I just want to attack them and defeat them. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, yeah. no, even these like young people who are so heroic that they don't even want to do that. Like mm-hmm. they inspire me to be better. I, yeah, exactly. I have a pretty great job. <laughs> so, yeah, well, it's um, so wonderful. You get to work with, with so many just inspiring people yeah. like that. Yeah, um, no, that's cool. I was thinking about um, you know this this idea of of you know we save what we love instead of fighting what we hate, and thinking about that throne room scene because that scene. I didn't really understand it the way the way you know you so clearly do, Carl. Until um, until my husband Nate. Uh, he he. We were watching Return of the Jedi, and he and Luke throws that lightsaber away, and and Nate goes, "Why not attack the Emperor?" And I'm like, "What?" He's like, "Okay, I get not attacking mm. Vader. That's your dad. You don't want to kill him, but why? Why does he throw it away? Why? What's so wrong with attacking an evil person? Why mm. not just attack him?" And then it, and that's when it clicked in me because the question had been framed in that way. That's when it clicked in my head. I was like, because he didn't come in there to kill anybody. He came in there to save his father. Right. You know? And and he he went in that room. He says at the top, I'll be dead and you'll be dead with me. Right. Luke didn't go in there to kill someone. It was when the emperor turned it around on him, said, Look, all your friends are gonna die. It made Luke feel like he didn't have a choice. You know, that everybody is going to die. It's a certainty, you know, unless you save them, unless you you know, yeah. do these horrible things and, and become a violent person, take that violence, you know, take up your saber and, and, and attack, you know, it, it made Luke feel like he didn't have a choice and that, you know, a, a violence, his violence was not only um, right, but, but justified, you know, 
when when Vader threatens Leia, that that I think is when the dark side is its most insidious. Is when you know it, Luke takes up that lightsaber and and starts you know just absolutely wailing on Vader because Vader, Vader threatens to turn Leia to the dark side, and you know Luke just just won't have it. In that moment, there can be nothing more right and nothing more justified than trying to protect Leia from this evil man. But that's that's not true. Leia's Leia's doing her own thing to save herself. The rebellion is doing their own things to save themselves. Yeah. And at the top, Luke knew it. Luke trusted his friends and he knew that they were going to succeed. But the dark side, you know, clouded him with doubt and fear. And it and it made him want to fight. And at the end he remembered it through that lightsaber aside. And that yeah, that was that heroism when he decided to trust, decided to to stop fighting, not attack, not even the emperor, not yeah. even an evil person. Yeah. You know, cause, cause he knew it and he was a hero. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Luke is a hero. No doubt mm-hmm. about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The galaxy may need a legend. <laughs> yeah. He gave it to him. Mm-hmm. Oh. oh, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I think this was a great discussion on, on <laughs> uh, what a hero is. Yeah, I love I love that one. That, that was nice. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you know, as always, you know, anyone listening, always welcome, you know, feedback in your own comments about what you think a hero is, or if there's any big heroic moments you feel like we maybe didn't talk about that you want to yeah. that you want to bring up. Of course, you know, feel free to share those with us. Always open to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, before we go though, we do have a matchup for you for next week, Katie. It's your matchup, <laughs> so you share it. I love it. I'm re- yes, I'm really excited about this matchup. I am pitting Ahsoka Tano against Starkiller. That is Galen Merrick, the uh, <laughs> Vader's apprentice from the Force Unleashed games and comics, actually, and novels. It was a lot of stuff. It was a comic, a novel, and a couple video games. <laughs> yeah, I forgot. That. I didn't know there was a comic. I didn't know there was a novel. I never read it, mm-hmm. but that's awesome. Oh, yeah. Oh, they're both rad. Yeah, no, they're both rad. And uh, I'm just real excited to see Vader and Anakin's apprentices square off against each other. They both have those, like, double lightsaber going on. Like, yeah. I feel like it's a good matchup. I think it's a great Let's... matchup. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. So, um, yeah, definitely, definitely weigh in on that for, for next week's episode. Um, and, uh, again, a reminder, after this episode, episode seven of the New Hope Radio drama, The Han Solo Solution. So stick around for that if you've been listening along. Um, so, yeah, and if you want to uh, to weigh in on, on the matchup, if you want to um, give us any of your feedback to what you believe a hero is or, or some heroic moments in Star Wars that you want to bring up, you can certainly uh, do that on, on our Twitter. Uh, follow us at Wampas Lair. You can send us emails at wampaslairpodcast at gmail.com. We're on Facebook at wampaslairpodcast. Um, of course, we've got a Patreon page if you want some expanded material, um, patreon.com slash wampaslairpodcast. And Katie, I know you're also on Twitter at pohotdamron, so folks can follow you. Um, is there anything else that we might have missed? Mm, the force will be with you always <laughs> <laughs> indeed it shall so um everybody thank you so much for listening to this episode of the wampas Lair podcast this is episode 307 what it means to be a hero for jason and katie i'm carl and we will see you next time here in the wampas Lair.
Star Wars, Episode 7, The Han Solo Solution. time ago in a galaxy far, far away, there came a time of revolution when rebels united to challenge a tyrannical empire. In the most desperate crisis of that rebellion, secret plans vital to the survival of the rebel alliance were placed in the memory banks of the astro droid R2-D2. An unlikely group has gathered together to undertake a journey to Alderaan where R2-D2 and his interpreter counterpart C-3PO must be safely delivered. Luke Skywalker, a young moisture farmer from the planet Tatooine, and Ben Kenobi, one of the last remaining Jedi Knights, have arranged for passage to Alderaan with a pair of reckless smuggler pilots, Han Solo and his Wookiee first mate Chewbacca, in their starship, the Millennium Falcon. But in Mos Eisley spaceport, where the group is about to begin its journey, the streets are a swarm with Imperial stormtroopers and their spies and informers. If this Millennium Falcon of theirs is as fast as Captain Solo boasted is, we should be able to reach Alderaan without further complication. I... Uh, stop a moment, Luke. Why? What is it? I had the feeling I was under observation. I don't see anybody. Nor I. Do you think those stormtroopers are still after us? No, the Imperials who followed us out the back door of the cantina went the other way. Then you're sure about this feeling? The sensation was strong... But it is less so now. Well, maybe whoever it was went away. Come, we'd better hurry on. The sooner we get Captain Solo's money, the sooner we can get off Tatooine. Oh, I promised him 2,000 in cash, but I've none of my own. We shall have to sell the land speeder. Suits me. I'm never coming back to this planet anyway. Uh, if I were you, I wouldn't be so positive about where the future will find me. Master Luke, Master Luke! Uh, or two, three, Pierre, what are you doing here? I told you to wait by the speeder. We were doing precisely that, sir, when a search party of stormtroopers began sweeping the area. What? We were compelled to elude them by hiding among the stock at a used droid lot. <laughs> and whose idea was that? I'm afraid it was mine, sir. Perhaps R2-D2's deceitfulness is infectious. <laughs> Don't worry about it, 3PO. You were just being flexible. Oh, well, put that way, it doesn't sound quite so bad, does it, sir? <laughs> but this news is not good. Which way were the sweeps moving? Uh, that way, sir. Converging on the center of town. But that's where we're going to have to go to sell my speeder. All the buyers are there. Then that is where we must go. It's imperative we get Captain Solo his money. We can't take the droids. There'll be Imperials all over the place. Well, if they're using standard search patterns, the area between here and the spaceport itself should be fairly clear by now. 3PO and R2 can wait for us there. Shouldn't one of us stay with them? No, you have to be there when the sale is made, Luke, to transfer ownership. And I don't want you venturing among the Imperials and the most icely sharpers alone. I guess you're right. Uh, 3PO? Sir? I want you and R2 to go to Docking Bay 94 at the spaceport and wait for us. Very good, sir. Ben and I have to sell the speeder. As soon as we're done, we'll meet you there. You can count on us, sir. I'm sure Come I can, on. 3PO. 
When humans design machines with quasi-personalities, they never realize how very much that implies. <laughs> R2 and 3PO are an extraordinary pair. You think so too, huh? Well, what about Captain Solo and Chewbacca? Ah, another curious pair. Look out for that robo-flatbed, Luke. Oh, I see it. Well, there is something more to Solo than meets the eye. I sense that he's not just another Karelian smuggler or minor outlaw. At the same time, he wishes people to think he's something other than he actually is. You think he can get us to Alderaan? He will try, I'm sure of that. But what I meant was that while he puts up a callous front, I suspect that the substance there is quite a different thing. And then there is the Wookiee. <laughs> Chewbacca. He's the first Wookiee I ever saw. What was that weapon he had, that rifle crossbow thing? That is a bowcaster, the traditional weapon of his species. Well, what's he doing co-piloting a starship? Now, don't be deceived by appearances, Luke. Wookiees aren't simply big, shaggy humanoids. Huh? They have an ancient culture with subtleties of its own. They are creatures with close ties to nature and a great affinity, in their own way, for the Force. Wookiees? Oh, yes. Solo's no ordinary criminal, or he wouldn't be likely to have a Wookiee for a companion. Nor, I think, would just any Wookiee be found roving the galaxy in his company. And Chewbacca is an individual of some note, too, I think. Then you think we can trust them? Not rely upon them entirely, perhaps. And I certainly wouldn't want to subject Captain Solo to too much temptation. But I'm satisfied that he's a man who will keep his end of our deal. Well, all we need from him is passage to Alderaan. Indeed. Now... Over to the left there is the establishment of a buyer and seller of vehicles. We might get a fair price there. Right. Boy, looks like this place will buy anything that moves. <laughs> a lot of stuff that doesn't. And what can I do for you, humans? Uh, I want to sell this speeder. If we can get a fair price. Hmm. Yeah, I paid 2400 for it and I put a lot of work into it. I think it's worth a lot more. Fifteen hundred is all I can offer you, human. Fifteen hundred? Look, this land speeder's in great shape, even mm. if it's not very pretty. Uh, we can accept no less than two thousand. <laughs> Your grip on reality is fragile, humans. It's the newer models that are in demand now, not these old ones. I shall probably have to sell it at a loss. But it's still not a fair price. You touch a responsive chord in my charitable nature, humans. Sixteen hundred. What? That isn't enough. That isn't enough? This speeder is worth more. This speeder is worth more. You can have his 2,000. Yes, you can have your 2,000, young human. Thanks. Here, press your thumbprint on the transfer register. And here is your money. Let's be off, Luke. Uh, thank you. Yeah, uh, thank you. Do I grow senile? Am I in second grubhood to fall prey so easily to a pair of humans? Well, there's advantages to the force that I'm just beginning to see, Ben. I would never have used it in that fashion if it hadn't been an emergency. Abuse of the Force leads to the worst imaginable consequences, Luke. Always remember that. 2000's about the best we could have done. Nobody wants those old land speeders since the new XP-38s came out. Uh, 2000 will suffice. We'll pay Captain Solo the rest of his money when we reach Alderaan. The main thing now is to get underway. Well, Solo's gonna be happy. 
He looked like he wanted to get his hands on some cash awfully bad. Well, no doubt he has debts in Mos Eisley. The underworld here boasts some pretty tough characters. They can be very unpleasant towards someone who owes them. Wait. Well, why are we stopping? I felt it again. The sensation that we're being observed. I still don't see anybody. Whoever it is, they've concealed themselves. Well, what should we do then? We'd better get to the docking bay as quickly as we can. Come, there's no time to lose. Chewie, did you pick up our gear? After you left the cantina, Greedo showed up. He was out to burn me down. He said Jabba the Hutt's mad about that load of Kessel spice we had to dump when the Imperials boarded us. I did tell him. The Jabba's put such a high price on our heads that every professional gun in this part of space will be hunting for us. Yeah, and if that wasn't enough trouble, Jabba gave Heater the job of finding us. I know Heater doesn't fool around. Who, Greedo? <laughs> nah, he was dumb enough to relax for a second. <laughs> I hope they throw him a nice funeral. It's Squeak. How do I know what he wants? So, I've been looking all over for you in the work. And I noticed you found a Squeak, so? Big Bunty wants to see you. Yeah, uh, got a job for you. Well, then why'd he wait until we're chartered? It all came up at once. Listen, you can tell Bungie I said, who the hell needs... It pays 10000 An old man, a kid, and two droids, right, Chewie? Lead on, Squeak. What's wrong with the work? Nothing. Look, wait over there for a second, will you? What's eating you? Well, I don't care what happens to the old man. Or the kid. This is real life, not some kind of game. Hey, Squeak. Yeah, huh? Tell Big Bungie he's got himself a starship. Now you're talking. Okay, what's the deal? A lot of chat rooms doing tomorrow. You take it from here. Tomorrow? Look, we're hot and we're rapidly going critical. Jabba and Eater are on our necks. And the stormtroopers are probably after us too by now. Tell Bungie to find someone else. Hey, listen to me. Scram, Squeak. Okay, I'm sure. A nerve of some people. Yeah, let's go in and get the Falcon checked out. I still get a funny feeling about that old man and the kid. I'm not sure what it is about them, but they're trouble. Sure wish we didn't need that money, sir. Listen, that's Heater. He's down there by the ship with his gang. Yeah. Dump the gear and lock the door behind us so we don't get any more unexpected company. in there, Chewie. We can't let him damage the ship. Just have to out-bluff him. Keep your boatcaster ready. Here goes. I'm giving you one last chance, Solo. Come out, I've got you surrounded. If you do, you're facing the wrong way. Solo, you see, I've been waiting for you, Heater. Well, I expected you would be, huh? We're not the type to run, are we, Chewie? Stand right where you are, Heater. And tell your circle of close friends there not to look so anxious with their guns. They're just showing proper respect for your reputations. Oh, my boy, there are times when you disappoint me. Why haven't you paid us for that load of castle spice you lost? I told Jobby he'd get his money. And why did you have to fry poor Greedo? After all that he and I have been through together, I... Well, it was my taste in drinking buddies, partly. But mostly it was because you sent Greedo to fry me. Oh, no, and why would I do that? You're the best smuggler in the business. You're too valuable to kill. Greedo was only relaying our natural concern at the delay in payment. He wasn't going to burn you. Oh, no? Well, he thought he was. Son, you must understand, I can't make an exception. Much as I like you... 
Where would poor old Heater be if he let his pilots dump their shipments and then show empty pockets when we ask for our money back? You and Jabba don't stick your necks out, Heater. We do. And that's what you're paid for. <laughs> and when you fail, it's bad for business. Oh, yeah. And you think it would be good for business to shoot it out with Chewie and me. Is that what you think? No, nobody said that. Go ahead. You got plenty of guns behind you. Just telling my associates here before you and the Wookiee arrived, you're both too valuable to fry out of hand. <laughs> well, as it happens, I can pay you back, but I need a little time. Ah, yes. That charter. I've already had word that you were talking to someone in the cantina. How much are they paying you? Enough to square with you, Heater. That's all you need to know. Something's going on in Mos Eisley. Streets are filled with stormtroopers. Imperial spies circulating everywhere. Even my sources can't find out what it's all about. But this sudden appearance of passengers who are eager to pay well for a quick lift-off may be tied to it somehow. So? Perhaps there's more money to be had by bargaining with the Imperial. Uh-uh, here. Selling people out to the Empire isn't our style, you know that. Oh, hon. Now, how do you and the Wook ever expect to get ahead in this life? Huh? <laughs> well, some days we're content just to stay even. Mm. Now, do we do it my way, or do you and these goons still want a piece of me and Chewie? Well, I am a businessman, um, above all, Han, so for something extra, why don't we make it 25%? I'll wait, mm. but not long. You'll get it. I'd better. If I'm disappointed again, it won't be any two-for-the-credit twerp I'll put on your trail. Next time, I'll hire Bubba Fett himself. Don't get yourself in a lather, and I'll pay you. Yeah. Because I choose to. Mm -hmm. Now get out of here. That should be docking bay 94 just ahead of two. No, no. I don't seem to see Master Luke around anywhere. Perhaps we'd better go into the bay and wait. The door is locked. Now what shall we do? Look, Artu. More stormtroopers. But we have nowhere to retreat to. This is a dead end. Wait, where are you going? Artu, Artu. Well, what do you do? Oh, 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 come on, come on. I haven't got all day. I'm on my way out. Oh, yes. As my counterpart here has just explained, we are here to see if you need any maintenance jobs done. Maintenance? Uh, maintenance. We belong to the Skywalker Technical Maintenance Service. Never heard of it. But of course you haven't, sir. We're a new organization. That is why we are canvassing the area for the, well, our publicity campaign. Publicity campaign? Oh, yes, I see. Why? Well, what I meant was, we are offering a free trial service. My counterpart and I will repair, recalibrate, and run system checks on any equipment you desire. Oh, uh, free of charge, mind you, as a special introductory offer. Yeah, come back later. I'm uh, on my way out. Sir, I... Yeah. As my counterpart just reminded me, this is a one-time-only offer. We'll have to move along to the next shop if you are unable to accept it. Uh... Well, the energy lathe is running out of sync. Oh, we'll have it fully functional in no time, when we are to. All right, all right, go to it. I'll be back in a couple of minutes. Your equipment will be just like new, sir. Like it used to be, we'll be just fine. Skywalker maintenance. You won't regret this, sir. Here come the stormtroopers. Quick, 
Quick, Archie! Inside! Lock the door! Sorry, Master Luke. We were so worried about you. Are you two all right? Mm. Yes. Why didn't you wait inside the dark? It was locked until a moment ago. You have no idea what Arthur and I have been through. We'll have to hear this later. We must move as quickly as we can. Are we still being followed, Ben? I'm nearly sure of it. Once or twice I thought I caught a glimpse of someone keeping well back trailing us. Come. Come on, Master. Look, there's Chewbacca waiting at the door. We're all here, my friend, and we have the money. When can we raise ship? Good. Let us proceed. After all, Solo's bragging. I can't wait to see this great ship of his. Oh, don't expect a smuggler's starship to belong on beauty, Luke. <laughs> what? That's a starship? So this is the great Millennium Falcon he's been telling us about. What a piece of junk! She'll make 0.5 over light speed, kid. What? She's got the highest lift mass ratio around. Enough to step away from any Imperial ship. And her weapons rating's just plain illegal. You think this old wreck will hold together? Better watch it, kid. We don't like anybody knocking her. <laughs> the Falcon may not be much for looks, but she's got it where it counts. Right, Chewie? <laughs> I've added some uh, <laughs> special modifications of my own. Uh, Captain Solo, we have no time to lose. Uh, Chewie, get up in the cockpit and start the pre-flight rundown. Okay, now you can show us how this thing performs. Just a second there, boys. There's still a little matter of my good faith money. Two thousand in cash, if I remember right. It'll be a happier trip all around if we get that out of the way first. Very well. Luke, here's your money. <laughs> oh, it's funny how this stuff brightens your day, isn't it? Aren't you going to count it? Don't you guys think I trust you? Besides, I got the whole trip for that. Now, we're a little rushed, so if you'll get aboard, we'll get out of here. Captain Solo, I have reason to believe we may have been followed. Well, my solution for that is to haul jets. Up the ramp and to the right, gents and droids. Make yourselves comfortable in the forward compartment. I'll disconnect the umbilicals and we're off. Very well. Come, Luke. R2-3PO. Come on. Hello, Captain Solo. May I say what a pleasure it is to make oh, you quick Look, I'm not too fond of machinery that talks back. Now, get on up there with the rest of them. Well, I... Smart-mouthed kid. Not to mention that old relic who's in charge of this crazy excursion package. How come I never get the cake jobs, huh? The easy ones. Everybody but me. Stop that ship! Oh, boy. Stormtroopers. Hey, holy shit! That's how you feel about it. about being followed. We're raising ship right now. Are the engines warmed up? Well, they'll just have to do. My solution to all this is to get the hell out of here. Well, since when do we need liftoff clearance? You ready? Hit it! 
Closing fast. Oh, my day's complete. Yeah, our passengers must be hotter than I thought. Angle deflector shields astern while I make calculations for the jump to light speed. Stay sharp, Chewie. There are two more battle wagons converging. They're gonna try and cut us off. What's going on? It's a going away party. What's the matter? Didn't you get an invitation? Imperial cruisers. Yeah, you guessed it, old man, and it looks like they want our hides any way they can get them. Why didn't you outrun them? I thought you said this thing was fast. Watch your mouth, kid, or you're gonna find yourself floating home. They're firing on us. Go back to the acceleration chairs and strap in. We're making the jump to light speed. Hang on to your pelts. We can pull this one off. We got it made. Here goes! The Millennium Falcon and her oddly met passengers and crew have managed to escape Tatooine. Before them looms the trip to Alderaan. And although they don't know it, something else awaits them too. The Empire's awesome battle station, the Death Star. Episode 7 by Brian Daly, based on characters and situations created by George Lucas. Featured in the cast were Mark Hamill as Luke Skywalker, Anthony Daniels as C-3PO, Bernard Barrons as Ben Kenobi, and Perry King as Han Solo. The series was directed by John Madden, with sound mixing and post-production by Tom Vigley. Music by John Williams. Sound design for Lucasfilm by Ben Burt. Story editor for the series was Lindsay Smith. Casting and production coordination by Mel Sarr. Executive producer was Richard Toskin. Executive producer for Lucasfilm was Carol Teitelman. <laughs>